I wanted this moment to do some teaching about the Reformation. Also, it's the only Sunday I've ever been able to bring a beer stein uh, with me into worship. In a moment, you're going to hear an anthem with the bells and the choir and the organ of a mighty fortress is our God, perhaps the iconic hymn of the Reformation. The words were written by Martin Luther, but the tune, they believe, was really from one of the beer halls. And imagine swaying with a stein when they sing. Um, I will also tell you in this moment of confession, and since it was so long ago now, I probably can admit it. Ten years ago, you helped me go on a Luther study tour and Reformation study tour to Wittenberg, Germany with two of my um, colleagues. And I, now I, have to, I can finally admit to you, we got there and we were aghast to discover that the, um, the Luther Museum was closed for six months. Closed. I finally can tell you that. And so what began as the Reformation and Luther Study Seminar actually then, I think, evolved into the Beer Halls of Luther Tour. And it was, a, um, <laughs> it was in its own way, um, an educational experience. But October 31st of 1517, just 500 years ago this Tuesday, Martin Luther posted on the door of the Wittenberg Church in Germany what they call the 95 Theses, statements. They were points of dispute that Luther wished to be debated by his fellow academicians. They were written in Latin. The language of the university and Luther assuredly had no idea of the impact those complaints would have on us today. I mean, his intent was not to protest, that is, to be a Protestant, or to be rebellious, or to bring embarrassment to the church, certainly had no intention of splitting the church. Instead, this very Catholic monk, monk hoped to reform the church he loved. Many of the 95 complaints were about the sale of the indulgences. And in October 31st of 1517 begins a revolution that most scholars would say, along with the Renaissance, has influenced our Western culture more than almost any other movements in Western civilization over the last thousand years. And in those 95 complaints, Luther actually agreed with many of the beliefs and practices of his church, but he was deeply troubled. He was actually scandalized by the concept of the aforementioned indulgences. In the church, an indulgence was what was simply a merciful release of a sinner from penance or purgatory. And indulgences had been around for hundreds of years before Luther. And at first, Luther wasn't necessarily opposed to the concept of indulgences, but he was deeply opposed to the sale of them. Later, he affirmed that indulgences were of no good whatsoever that even the church could not forgive sins, but only God could forgive sins. Well, indulgences were in particular at that time being sold at a, at a very robust pace because the Catholic Church, Pope Leo X in particular, was in the midst of, well, the indulgences were a 16th century version of a capital campaign because they were building St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. And cathedrals are expensive. But Luther saw around Wittenberg, Germany, the suffering of the peasants in his region. And the poverty was appalling. And Luther was actually mortified by the idea of those 
destitute persons taking what little savings they had to pay the release of their loved ones' souls from purgatory. And in particular, Luther was aghast at the teachings of another priest by the name of Johann Tetzel, who was going around the Wittenberg region at the time, selling indulgences and preaching with this pithy saying. And Tetzel would say, when the coin in the coffer rings, the soul from purgatory springs. And Tetzel would then say to the peasants who were listening, that the souls of your beloved loved ones, they are crying out to you from purgatory, begging you to buy their way out of suffering. Luther, who in reality was not a terribly likable man and turned out to hold some terribly anti-Semitic opinions, still decided to take on the church nonetheless and its sale of indulgences. But what Luther really inaugurates is something that you and I still live into almost each and every day of our lives, and not just in our lives of faith, but in our world. Luther inaugurates the freedom of an individual to question the prevailing people of authority. And in this case, a lowly monk eventually took on the most powerful person in Europe, the Pope. Then and today, it is still said about Protestants and the Protestant Church, that we are society's most spiritually defiant and venturesome citizens. I could tell you that there are literally hundreds of important influences the Reformation had upon us today, but one of the ones that we still live into in this church every Sunday is the idea, the concept, that the sermon is a central moment of worship. Luther does something astonishing, and he translates the Gospels into German. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John into the language of the common folk. But he was in a long line of people who were declared heretics for having translated the Bible, John Wycliffe into English, Jan Hus into Bohemian. Both of them, by the way, were executed for having done so. But it is the tradition of translating the scriptures from Latin into the language of the people that elevates in the Protestant church the sermon to a position of great significance. Because now that the people, now that you and I could understand the teachings of Jesus, the interpretation of those, those teachings, the proclamation of the good news, the sermon, took on a role equal to and in some traditions greater than the Eucharist or communion. Now, those are only two of the huge influences that the Reformation has had. And over the course of the next year, if Meredith and Catherine permit, I'll probably share a few more. But they accuse me way too often of mansplaining. But those, those are the two of the really significant influences on who you and I are today. And so now we will receive this remarkable and almost iconic hymn of the Reformation. <laughs> 